we take up the passing away of Mr. Honest. Bunyan says, then it came to pass a while after that there was a post in the town that inquired for Mr. Honest. So he came to the house where he was and delivered to his hand these lines. Thou art commanded to be ready against this day seven night to present thyself before thy Lord at his father's house. And for a token that my message is true, he quotes Ecclesiastes 12.4. All the daughters of music shall be brought low. Then Mr. Honest called for his friends and said, of, said unto them, I die, but shall make no will. I die, but shall make no will. Overton, in his lecture, says he made, however, no will for that which had been his special treasure, the peculiar ornament of his profession, Mr. Honest, and the distinguishing feature of his character, that is, his downright honesty, his Christian simplicity and godly sincerity. This he took with him to the country where he was going. He imitated, uh, he intimated his desire that this circumstance should be told to those who were to come after. He made no will, <laughs> none whatsoever. Bunyan goes on and says, for my honesty, it shall go with me. Let him that comes after be told of this. When the day that he was to be gone was come, he addressed himself to go over the river. Now the river at that time overflowed its bank in some places. But Mr. Honest in his lifetime had spoken to one good conscience to meet him there. The which he also did and lent him his hand and so helped him over. The last words of Mr. Honest were, Grace reigns. So he left the world. <laughs> now you remember for some who were Frightful, easily frightened, timid. The Lord made that river to be very low. Lowest waters ever seen. But for Mr. Honest, it's a violent torrent. But that's okay. Because Mr. Honest had made arrangements with good conscience. To meet him there. I've me said, oh, how happy to die 
under a sweet sense of the reign of grace. Such have their consciences purified by the blood and made good by the faith of the resurrection of Jesus and they shall reign with him in his kingdom. Oh, how good it is, Ivy says. How good it is to come to this river and no matter how high the waters are, to come to this river with a good conscience. I know, I know because I know you and I know me. And it is that conscience that will make dying most difficult for us. Not that you understand there's a difference between unconfessed sin and a bruised conscience. One can have their sins taken away and the conscience still smarting under the pain of it. And But Mr. Honest comes to the river and he has lived in such a way that he has good conscience to attend him in this crossing. And so he is. McGuire said, Oh, Mr. Honest, thou brave pilgrim. Jordan this day has overflowed its bank and its fords are deep and its swellings are high but thou art strong to brave its waves and cross its floods good conscience is thy succor and grace reigns is thy battle cry pass safely to thy rest as a brave manly pilgrim old father honest has fought the good fight He has discomfited many a foe. And by his true faith and honest walk and cheerful countenance, he has tended much to mitigate the sorrows and trials of the pilgrim company. These men of generous heart and large experience are as strong pillars upholding the consistency and strength of the spiritual temple. It is men like this passing over that give the church strong pillars to rest on, to look, to see, to see how they've crossed over. Commenting on the death of honest, English says, Good conscience, good conscience, represents the steady adherence of this pilgrim to the faith and practice of the gospel. The faith and practice of the gospel. According to the apostles' words, I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. That his trust for salvation was not in himself, but in Jesus Christ is indicated by his last words, grace reigns. Simeon of Cambridge on his deathbed said, I wish to be alone with my God 
and to lie before him as a poor, wretched, hell-deserving sinner. Yes, as a poor, hell-deserving sinner. But I would also look to him as my all-forgiving God and as my all-sufficient God and as my all-atoning God and as my covenant-keeping God. I look as the chief of sinners for the mercy of God in Christ Jesus to life eternal and the sovereignty of God in choosing such an one and the mercy of God in pardoning such a one and the patience of God in bearing with such an one and the faithfulness of God in perfecting his work and performing all of his promises to such an one. <laughs> I like his style. So honest comes and crosses over. There's just something very powerful in Bunyan's simple, short, final sentence in that paragraph. So he left the world. There's such finality. He left the world. After this, it was noised abroad that Mr. Valiant for Truth was taken with a summons by the same post as the other and had this for a token that the summons was true. The pitcher, his pitcher, was broken at the fountain. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 6. You'll find all these references there in Ecclesiastes uh, 12. Ecclesiastes 12. Uh, there's a whole listing there of expressions that were used to graphically picture death. And uh, there's some wonderful sermons over the centuries have been preached from those different pictures. This is one of them. His picture was broken at the fountain. What a symbol. What a picture of death. When he understood it, he called for his friends and told them of it. Then said he, I'm going to my father's. And though with great difficulty I've got hither, yet now I do not repent me of all the trouble I've been at to arrive where I am. My sword I give to him that shall succeed me in my pilgrimage, and my courage and skill to him that can get it. My marks and scars I carry with me to be a witness for me that I have fought his battles, who now will be my rewarder. When the day that he must go hence was come, many accompanied him to the riverside, into which he went and said, Death is thy sting. And as he went down deeper, he said, Grave, where is thy victory? So he passed over, and all the trumpets sounded for him on the other side. Now, 
Maguire said, Behold, a troop cometh, and now encompassed with a cloud of witnesses, a trusty pilgrim adventures the flood. It is valiant for truth that now steps down and deeper down, and as he sinks, his voice is lifted up more bravely and more strong in token that it is victory still. Death and the grave are overcome in that brief passage, and trumpets sounding at the other side announce that the brave warrior is at rest. His sword, that right Jerusalem blade, is for all the valiant soldiers of the king, even the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. English has a wonderful poem on the death of valiant for truth. The pains of death are past. Labors and sorrows cease. And life's long warfare closed at last. His soul is found in peace. Soldier of Christ, well done. Praise be thy new employ, and while eternal ages run, rest in thy Savior's joy. The idea of rest, which two already, as I've read to you, two of these commentators uh, step forward with that idea of rest for this, this great soldier, this great warrior. Valiant for truth. The idea of rest is a wonderful notion that always accompanies. If you visit cemeteries often like I do, you find them all over out in the woods and wherever. And uh, the word rest appears on so many tombstones, doesn't it? Something about rest. She is at rest now. or He is at rest now. Or. God give him rest. There's always so much expression of the word rest in these places associated with death. Commenting White said, Sir, <clears throat> said the widow, that is Christiana, Sir, said the widow indeed too valiant for truth you have in all places shown yourself true hearted you remember she said that the first time she ever saw this man that she is now seeing for the last time on this side of the river his own mother would not have known him he was so hacked to pieces with the swords of the three assailants but as she washed the blood off the mangled man's head and face and hands, she soon saw beneath all his bloody wounds a true, a brave, a generous-hearted soldier of the cross 
than why it says the heart is always the man. <laughs> That's a great statement. Powerful, full statement. The heart is always the man. <laughs> and this widow had lived long enough <clears throat> with men to have discovered that. And with all his scars, she saw that it was at the bottom the truth of his heart that had cast him into so many bloody encounters. There were men in that company and men near the river too that far fewer mark, with far fewer marks of battle and even of defeat upon them <clears throat> who did not get this noble certificate and its accompanying charge and trust from this clear-eyed widow. And then she had never forgot, how could she, his exclamation and almost embrace of her as of his own mother. When he burst out with his eyes full of blood, why is this Christian's wife? What? And going on pilgrimage too? It glads my heart. Good man, how joyful will he be when he shall see her and her children enter after him at the gates into the city. He would have been hacked a hundred times worse than he was before this widow of Christian and the mother of his children would have been anything but the manliest beauty in a young soldier who could salute an old woman in this way. It gladdened her heart to hear him, you may be sure, as much as it gladdened his heart to see her. And that was the reason that she actually set great heart himself aside and left her children under this young man's sword and shield. I would also entreat you to have an eye to my children, she said. Young men, has any dying mother committed her children if you at any time see them faint? To you, have any, has any dying mother committed her children to you? Have you ever spoken so comfortably to any poor widow about her sainted husband that she has passed by some of our foremost citizens and has astonished and offended her lawyers by putting a stripling like you into the trusteeship? Did ever any dying mother say to you that she had seen you to be a true, as true-hearted at all times that she entreated you to have an eye to her children? Speaking at this point for myself, White says, I would rather see my son so trusted at such an hour by such a woman than I would see him the chancellor of her majesty's exchequer or the governor of the Bank of England. Mm. I'd rather see my son entrusted by a godly widow 
dying with the care of her children than to see him the Chancellor of Her Majesty's Exchequer or the Governor of the Bank of England. What a word. What a word. My marks and scars I carry with me to be a witness for me that I have fought his battles who now will be my reward. When the day that he must go hence was come, many accompanied him to the riverside, into which as he went he said, Death, where is thy sting? And as he went down deeper he said, Grave, where is thy victory? And so he passed over, and all the trumpets sounded for him on the other side. Oh, I bless the Lord for these views, these views that Mr. Bunyan gave us, these perishing saints. What a beautiful thing to see. May the Lord give us wisdom, grace to walk, to be valiant for truth, to be honest, to go to the river with good conscience by our side. We'll stop there. Would there be any questions, comments, or testimonies? That's right. We have seen now, if you were keeping up or if you're numbering them or if you just just want to know, seven, Christiana was number one, Mr. Ready to Halt was number two, Mr. Feeble Mind number three, Mr. Despondency is number four, and uh, his daughter Much Afraid is number five, Mr. Honest is number six, and Mr. Valiant for Truth is number seven. 
we've seen seven saints now in compass of just about one, two, three, four, five pages. In the compass of five pages, we've seen seven saints cross over. My sword, give to him that succeeds me, my courage and skill to him that can get it. Hmm. But the marks and scars, he said, I'll carry them with me. All right, let's pray together.